0: Nice to see every single one of you here today. Especially if you're a guest, we're really honored and privileged to have you here. Delighted that you're here. Actually, did you all have a fantastic Christmas? I was weak. Did you have a fantastic Christmas? Yeah. yeah there you go. That's yeah. Much better. Uh, I think the keyword of church today is lethargy. Keyword 9 a.m. was lethargy. You're pretty lethargic yourself. So. Uh, I'm going to make a fat joke at my expense in a little bit. You'll probably laugh then and, you know, I'll get it out of you one way or another. And you're like, what are you talking about? Where am I? Really bold statement that I think frames pretty well this new series called Margin that we're kicking off today. The circumstances of modern day living consumes margin. The circumstances of modern day living consumes margin. Margin. What in the world do I mean by margin? Here's the dictionary definition. It's a spare amount or measure or degree allowed or given for contingencies or special situations. In other words, margin is really simply breathing room, isn't it? And it's breathing room in every category of life. Finances, physical health, emotions, time. But Back to the statement, the circumstances of modern-day living consume most, if not all, of our breathing room. We feel that, day in and day out. A guy named Dr. Richard Swenson, a medical doctor, wrote a book called Margin. I'm using that book extensively to prep this series. And he said it like this. If you're homeless, we direct you to a shelter. If you're penniless, we offer you government assistance. If you're breathless, we connect you to a tank of oxygen. But if you're marginless, we give you yet one more thing to do here, right? And that's just how it goes in life. Marginless living looks like being late to the doctor's office because you were late leaving the store, because you were late dropping the kids off at school, because, well, your car was out of gas and you had to stop and fill it up, but you realized altogether too late that you left your wallet on the dresser at home. Sound familiar? Having margin in your life, however, means that you have breath left at the top of the stairs, money left at the end of the month, and sanity left over when your kids graduate from high school. That's margin. Marginless living is, however, the baby crying, the phone ringing, the washer repairman knocking at the door, all three at the same time. Living with margin is grandma taking the baby for the afternoon. Marginless living is being asked to carry a load that's five pounds heavier than you can even lift. Living with margin is a friend asking if they can help you carry half the burden. Marginless living is not being able to stay awake to read a chapter in a book about stress management. Living with margin is being able to stay awake long enough to read that chapter twice. Marginless living is marked by fatigue. Living with margin is a life marked by energy. Marginless is red ink. Margin is black ink. Marginless is hurry. Margin is calm. Marginless is anxiety. Margin is security. Marginless is our culture, but margin is counterculture. Marginless is reality. Margin is the remedy. Marginless living is the disease of our modern day society and the cure is margin. And in our marginless lives and culture that we're all running around in, is it any wonder that so many people these days are identifying with the biblical character of Job? You know who I'm talking about. He has a whole book in the Old Testament dedicated to his story, but the short version of his life goes like this. Job was a very good man. He feared God. He stayed far away from evil. He was probably the wealthiest man on planet earth at that time. And one day Satan asked God if he could test Job in the crucible of suffering. And as a result of that suffering, Job lost everything. Not only his wealth, he lost his children. Which caused him to say in Job 3.26, see if this sounds at all familiar. I have no peace, no quietness, I have no rest, only trouble comes that's marginless living that's how marginless living feels it just piles on and piles on and piles on bad stuff piles on it just keeps no peace no quietness I have no rest only trouble comes and so many people are living just that kind of life And that kind of life, marginless living, is making so many people sick. And and they don't even know it, do they? They're ailing under the burden of marginless living. And the recurring primary symptom of marginless living, do you know what it is? It's pain. The recurring primary symptom of marginless living is pain. And we scratch our heads and we wonder why? Why is it pain? We have so many advantages over previous generations. Progress has allowed us to experience unprecedented levels of affluence, education, technology, entertainment, the comforts and conveniences that are routinely available to us would blow the minds of previous generations, and yet so many people are living marginless lives, suffering under the pain of it all, because they don't have any margin that all those creature comforts are supposed to provide us. Do you you remember, for example, how much time email was supposed to save us? How many of you would love to get rid of email? you just like, do? yeah, exactly. I see those hands. According to Dr. Swenson, most of us, we don't even really know what margin is, which causes us not to know exactly what marginless living really is. Yeah, lots of people feel distressed, but it's a distress that we have difficulty even describing. There's a sense that life isn't what it used to be. There's a sense that lots of people carry that life isn't what we expected it to be. It's not even close. But we stop the train, we step back, we look at our cars, our homes, our toys, our free time pursuits, our technology, and we go, well, there must be something wrong with just me. I must be just imagining this distress because I've got all this stuff. Everything should really be quite fine. And still others out and out deny that there's even a problem. Life's always been hard Some people say. Just buck up, why don't you? People have always been stressed. It's just part of life. There's always been change to metabolize economic problems. People have always battled depression in one form or another. Life, for crying out loud, has its ups and downs. It's just the nature of life. So come on, suck it up. But it's more than that. I contend it's a lot more than that I contend that something really is wrong the tiredness and the frazzledness it's not normal the anxiety and the depression so many people experience shouldn't be so easily dismissed as oh life's hard toughen up lots of it is rooted in people not lying down people not taking the time to heal Marginless living is causing a chronic instability that so many people carry with them that never ever allows peace to establish itself in the human spirit. It's just stress and distress and stress and distress, and there's never any peace. Only trouble comes. And no matter what anyone says, our modern day instability isn't just life is hard recast in more recent terms. And I want us to understand this, that marginless living isn't just a physical or emotional or psychological issue. God actually cares very deeply about our lives having margin, which means that us living without margin, us living marginless lives, is a spiritual issue at its root, which is why we're talking about it here If you have a Bible or your smartphone, pull it out if you would and turn to Romans chapter 14. Let me set up where we're going in Romans chapter 14. The Apostle Paul is in the midst of a rebuke of these really judgmental Roman Christians. And these judgmental Roman Christians, they're condemning each other for the craziest of things. They're condemning each other for either eating meat or not eating meat. There's these accusations being lobbed back and forth about one group being stronger Christians than the other group all over eating meat or not, I know what you're thinking, like that is ridiculous and that's exactly what Paul was thinking. He's had enough up to here. He steps in, he says, wait, 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 time out. Stop. Stop the madness. And in his writing, Paul makes the point, look, there's liberty on both sides of this conversation. There's freedom on both sides of this conversation. You can either eat meat or you cannot eat meat. And either way, you pick, you choose. It doesn't matter, but either way, you're honoring God. It doesn't matter. You can eat meat and honor God. You can not eat meat and honor God. So just stop condemning each other, Paul says. It's wrong. The condemnation's wrong. The back and forth is wrong. The judgment is wrong. Look, these people are eating meat because they're sincere in wanting to glorify God. And these people who are not eating meat, they're sincere in their desire to glorify God. So recognize the sincerity of both sides. And then look at what he says next in Romans 14, verses 7 and 8. Heavy. For we don't live for ourselves or even die for ourselves. Heavy. Heavy. For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. In other words, it's not about you. For we don't live for ourselves and we don't die for ourselves. If we live, why? It's to honor the Lord. And if we die, why? It's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. To the Lord. And Paul's making this fantastic point. We who call ourselves Christians, we who follow Jesus, we who claim the name of Christ, however you want to say it, we're slaves. And we owe allegiance to the capital M, master, which means that we don't act, nor should we act, out of a regard for ourselves alone. It's not about us. We don't act out of regard for ourselves alone, ever. Our lives are intended to be lived in such a way that we take into account not only our own interests, but the interests of the one who died for us, Jesus Christ, the one who returned to life for us so that he could be our Lord, our boss, our savior, our life manager, ruler, whatever you want to call it. Whether we live or die, it's about him. It doesn't matter how you find yourself. Jesus owns you. Jesus owns you and expects us to obey him. We're not playing games here, Paul says. Paul said it another way in his second letter to the church in the city of Corinth. He said it like this. He, that's Jesus. That wasn't actually Jesus. That was me on the screen, just to clarify. He, that's Jesus, died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. See, it's not about you. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. He did all of that for you, so live for him. And so here's where all this meets up with margin and marginless living. When we live chronically marginless lives, when we bear up under all of the pain and all of the sickness that comes with living marginless lives, you know what we're doing? We're diminishing Jesus Christ. We're diminishing his role, his rightful place in our lives. The one who died, the one who was raised from the dead to give us life in its fullest expression, we diminish him because we're busy, because we don't have any margin. We don't have any leftover. And so you see, it's with that spiritual reality in view that we're gonna spend the next three weeks talking about how we create physical, emotional, time, and financial margin in our lives. Why? So that all of us, every single one of us, can most fully honor Christ's sacrifice for us, with our entire life and being, because it's all about him. How we live our lives today isn't just about us, it's all about him. And we're gonna start today by talking about creating margin in our physical energy. How many times, for example, have you dipped deep into your physical energy reserve tank, anticipating that label ladle returning with something in it, only to find that your reservoir of physical energy had long since dried up have you ever had that experience we're like i just i just gotta whoa there's no whoa there's nothing in the i just gotta lay down right ever had that that's just the way it goes these days more people than ever before are out of shape more people than ever before are chronically sleep deprived that equates to a famine in our culture of physical energy. We're chronically under rested. We're chronically overwhelmed. That in turn leaves us very short on strength to meet our own needs, let alone meet the needs of anyone else in our life or in the world. And so what do we do? We do. We, we just lay down. We're like, I just got to go to bed, right? And we say a little prayer before we fall asleep, like, Lord, please wake me up tomorrow with more strength, more energy, less tired please, but one night's sleep isn't going to fill the tank. Medical doctors tell us that our bodies, in one sense, are sophisticated energy machines. They say if we properly care for our engine, if we load it with appropriate fuel, our machine will operate in generally reliable fashion. It doesn't always go that way, but generally reliable fashion. And Dr. Martin Schaefer says that building physical margin, strengthening our energy reserves Depends on three factors. One is sleep, one is exercise, and one is nutrition. He says that only a body that is well rested, properly exercised, and correctly fed will be able to maintain its energy reserves in the face of very stressful day to day living, which is our reality, isn't it? And this is a cool deal. No matter how ravaged our bodies are by self-induced deterioration, we can reverse it. Our bodies can bounce back. That's the way God made them. But it requires some cooperation, some discipline, some work from us. And it all starts in this place. You might write this down. It all starts with personal responsibility. We have to take responsibility. That's where all building physical energy margin starts. I have to take personal responsibility. Just over four years ago, our family went from four kids to seven kids in like that fast. That meant, as you would imagine, a whole lot of things changed in our lives. There was increased financial burden, which meant that my wife, Dana, had to get a job and go to work every single day outside the home. Because she went to work, that meant my schedule had to change. I'd been accustomed for the first four years of Journey's life, I'd been accustomed to being out the door before 6 a.m. almost every single day. But that didn't work anymore with kids that have to go to school and a mom that has to go to work. And so I'd also, in those four years, become accustomed to working out five or six days a week. I would do that typically at the end of the workday, usually around 4 o'clock. I'd get home around 5.30-ish or so. But all of a sudden, that didn't work anymore either. Because this new reality found me most mornings taking kids to school, as was Dana. Most school days, I was picking kids up from school. That was our new reality. And in that new reality, guess what got cut out first? It's the thing that always gets cut out first when life is overloaded and we're short on margin. What goes? Taking care of us, right? My workouts were the first thing to go. I didn't have time. They didn't fit in. They literally got left behind in the dust for about four years. And I'm here to tell you that it showed it showed in each one check this out in each one of those four years that I wasn't working out I added five pounds to my total weight that by the way was non-muscle weight in case you're wondering four years do the math times five pounds equals what 20 pounds that I was lugging around that I shouldn't have been lugging around I didn't feel good I was lethargic. My energy stores were depleted. I was sick way more often than I should have been. My clothes didn't fit like they used to. And I go, ah, I got to get back to the gym. Do you ever say this? I got to get back to the gym. This is awful. I look awful. I feel awful. Some of my kids would echo. They'd say, Dad, you need to start working out you used to be in very good shape but now and they just point and look (laughs) I know I'd say I know guys I I know but I got to be present here at home I got to help you be where you need to be when you need to be there and I got this work deal right and my work deal isn't getting any smaller quite the opposite actually guys there is not time I can't create time I can do a lot of things but make time isn't one of them and the craziest thing happened. This past August, Dana and I, August and September as a matter of fact, we got stuck in the Democratic Republic of Congo for 60 days. And the Lord sort of grabbed me by the shirt front while we were there about my health, my lack of physical activity, my need to create physical margin in my life. I was eating a diet of like a can of Pringles, barbecue Pringles every day, about five or six cans of tonic water and occasional apple and... It was a mess, right? So I got home. I ended up in the hospital emergency room for two days after we got home. And at the conclusion of all that ordeal, I made a deal with the Lord that I was going to take responsibility. I was going to stop making excuses, and I was going to change at the prompting of the Lord. Cool deal. Dana wasn't working outside the home anymore that helped free up some hours that I would have had to have been home so that I could go back to the gym. It was like a little gift that Dana gave me. Love you, dear. Thanks. And so today, I'm here to tell you that while I'm not exactly the model physical specimen, I am at the gym five to six days a week. Those 20 pounds are gone. I feel better than I have in about four years. And it all started with my choosing to take responsibility. I just had to own it. And say, geez, Brian, you've been sucking it up for four years, making lame excuses, and it's time to take responsibility. And that's how it goes for all of us. If we're going to create physical margin in our lives, we're going to have to change some things. Some habits are going to have to shift. If any one of us is lacking in physical energy, physical margin, we probably have habits that need to change. We might have bad food habits that need to change. That was part of my issue Don't eat a whole can of barbecue Pringles every day. It's bad, very bad. Maybe for you it's poor or non-existent exercise habits that need to change. Again, that was part of my issue. Maybe you have really poor sleep habits that will require adjustment on your part. But the key is to break old ways, establish new patterns that create physical energy rather than sap it. We all do all kinds of things that sap physical energy and we wanna go the other way. We wanna build physical margin. Speaking of changing old habits, establishing new ones, building physical margin, two things for you. Alcohol in excess, as well as tobacco use, are chronic drains on physical energy. I don't care what anybody says, they just are. They deplete you of physical margin. It's almost the start of a new year. It'd be a fantastic time to say, you know, I'm just gonna stop drinking alcohol in excess. I'm gonna stop chewing. I'm gonna stop smoking. I'm gonna stop. I'm just gonna stop because I wanna restore physical energy margin. If you're gonna create physical margin in your life, Lots of us are gonna have to get better sleep as well. And I don't care what anybody says about sleep being wasted time. Getting a good night's sleep is nothing to be embarrassed about. I'll admit, I'll confess to you that I've said it before. I'll sleep when I'm dead, right? Well, that's just stupid. Really, really stupid. Being well-rested is nothing to feel guilty about. Cool deal about sleep, you know whose idea it is? It's God's idea, He invented the sleep deal. He created us with that necessity. Sleep is our friend. It is not our enemy. If you want to build physical margin in your life, you're going to have to decide. You're going to have to drive a stake in the ground and go, okay, I'm just going to get enough rest. Most adults, that's somewhere between seven and eight hours a night. Some of you are like, geez, I get 15 hours every night. Others of you are like, I sleep four hours a night. You know, seven to eight is what they say most adults need. Beyond setting better sleep habits, the next one is nutrition. Nutrition is the next key area to help create physical margin in our lives. And you know what this means. You know where I'm getting out the big knives now. Okay? This starts by decreasing our intake of fat and sugar. Decreasing our intake of fat and sugar. Get this. No more than 30% of our diet should be fat calories. No no more, less is better, but no more than 30% of our diet should be fat calories. Most of us, this gets really painful, most of us should cut our sugar intake in half. Whoa, that is a big knife. Cut our sugar intake in half. And we're not stupid, we all know, yes, I should eat less fat, I should eat less sugar, but what do we do? We eat it anyway, why? Well, because it tastes good. We're habituated to it. We think that we're the rare exception. We can afford to. Ah, I don't have to abide by all that stuff. Look at, as waistlines expand, physical energy margin decreases. And understand this, those of you who are shoppers and cooks and so, good nutrition does not start in the kitchen. You know where it starts? The grocery store. Good nutrition starts in the grocery store. So if it's not good for you, don't put it in the cart. Don't buy it. And if when you push the cart through the store, you're like, oh my gosh, everything looks so good. Doritos and Twinkies and you pile it in. If that's you, eat the biggest meal of your whole week and then go shopping. Because everything will look gross to you. You'll have like carrots in your cart. And I'm serious about this. If you, when you go to the grocery store, if you can't help yourself and you just pile the junk in there, pay someone else to go to the store for you. Right, give them your list. Make them sign in blood. They won't buy anything that's not on that list no matter how many times you text them and beg them for Twinkies. Nutrition matters. You wanna build physical energy margin? Eat more fruits and vegetables. Drink more water. Drink less pop. For crying out loud, don't drink any pop, right? Just put pop down. Stop overeating. Eat out less. Exercise regularly. Here we go. And the very, very best exercise anyone can do to create physical margin in your life is to build your cardiorespiratory endurance. That is, start exercising or keep exercising, as the case may be, your heart. Exercise Your heart. I heard a guy talking about how our heart is a lot like a plow horse, right? We abuse it and we abuse it and we abuse it and it never complains. Like, how often do you hear your heart whining? Just doesn't, right? Just does its job. And then one day in the middle of plowing this really long row, all of a sudden your heart just drops dead. So you see, abusing our heart should be like unthinkable to us. Our heart is our workhorse. Get this, every single day, our heart beats 100,000 times, pumping 1,600 gallons of blood over 60,000 miles of vessels. We should all be saying thank you to our heart, right? Like sending it love letters and roses and whatever else, like thank you. And the best way you say thank you to your heart is by working it out, by conditioning it. Watch this. Through exercise, you could, for example, cut your heart rate from something like 80 beats a minute down to 60 beats a minute. If you did that, you would save your heart 30,000 beats per day. That's 11 million beats per year by reducing your resting heart rate from 80 to 60. That's staggering. And here's how you do that. It's not very hard. 30 to 45 minutes of sustained exercise three times a week. 30 to 45 minutes of sustained exercise three times a week. That's walking, jogging, swimming, biking, intense skiing, on and on. 30 to 45 minutes of sustained exercise three times a week, starting right now and continuing in some form until the hearse arrives to pick your corpse up. From now, for the rest of your life, 30 to 45 minutes, three times a week. Dr. Swinson put it like this, our bodies are a miracle of complexity and sophistication that exceeds comprehension. Fortunately, he writes, most of it runs on autopilot. The heart beats, the blood circulates, the glands secrete, the enzymes catalyze, the electrolytes balance, the glucose metabolizes, the liver detoxifies. Even, he writes, our thinking and breathing are largely automatic and involuntary. Our brain and lungs function not because we tell them to, but because God tells them to. Suffice it to say, Dr. Swenson says, God has given us an amazing gift and all we are required to do is feed it water it, rest it, and move it with the right food, water, rest, and movement. And, he says, in conclusion, if we perform our assignment well, we will find physical margin, physical energy we never knew we had, and will work better, run better, feel better, heal better, live better. Build physical margin don't deteriorate physical margin build physical margin set your stuff aside if you would and close your eyes and bow your heads and as you're doing that i want to give you this question to ponder with the lord what is god asking me that's you to do starting today to create physical margin in my life what's god tapping me on the shoulder asking me to do starting today to create physical margin in my life. You just interact on that. Thank you so much for the gift of the physical bodies that you've given to each one of us. And some of us, while we sometimes think, I wish I had a different body, I wish it was more like X or Y or Z... End of it all, we're just incredibly grateful for the life that you've given to us. The fact that we awoke today with breath in our lungs is astounding. And Jesus, we acknowledge that we're not our own, that we're slaves. Us because of everything that you've done for us. It's the least we could do is give ourselves back to you. And so that's what this conversation and our ensuing action around margin is all about. It's us saying, God, I want to build more physical margin because I want to be at my very peak performance, not for me, but rather for you. It's all for you. I want my physical energy reserves to point me to you, sure, and other people to you. When I need to dig deep to serve somebody we all want to have the physical energy to be able to do that. To care for people in our sphere of influence. To be able to give of ourselves just Jesus as you gave yourself for us. And so God, I pray that you would compel each one of us to an action step out of this conversation today. That we just do what we can do today to build physical margin into our lives whether it's starting an exercise regimen, whether it's eating better, whether it's going to bed at a decent hour and that Jesus you, you would nudge us in that way you'd expand our thinking on the subject that we wouldn't just be contented with okay I did one thing and now I'm okay I'm good We'd build on that one thing. And that one thing would become two things. Those two things would become three things. Because, Jesus, at the end of the day, we love you. At the end of the day, we want our whole lives and beings to glorify you, point people to you. We want even our physical lives to be ordered around you, centered and you focused you're perfect, because you're holy, because Jesus, it's you that rules and reigns. We love you, Jesus, and we worship you with our whole lives.